This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You're on The Burt Show. So maybe you're feeling some guilt because you're just maybe a little bit happy or maybe a lot happy that your friend got dumped. Well, yeah. So my friend's going through a breakup. And when she called me up to tell me, instead of being like, oh, my God, I'm so sad. My knee jerk reaction was, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't like the dude or. No, it's it. I mean, the thing is with this particular relationship, and I tell my friends this over and over, I will be as excited about the guy as you are, if not more. And so when my friends are dating guys that they're just kind of dating for the sake of dating, they just don't want to be alone, or maybe it's just kind of fun to have somebody around. I'm just not going to get super invested because I know you've literally told me this guy is here for a short time, not a long time. And so that was the case with this particular relationship. But then I was kind of doing a little bit of a backtrack of like, ah, yes, I have responded this way every single time I have found out my friends are going through a breakup. Now, obviously, like if it's something really traumatic and like sad, I have the emotional capacity sometimes to <laughs> to be able to like hold their hand through this and not be like a total a-hole. But like deep down, I've always found myself being really happy and excited for when their relationships have come to an end. And I've been kind of doing like this deep dive as to why that is. Am I bitter that I'm single? What's going on here? Like, I really need to do some inner work here. So I was scrolling through my TikTok for you page and this woman was talking about what it's like for single women when their friends get into relationships. And I really felt like she put it in perfect words of how it is really challenging for somebody else who is very important to you for you to become a lesser part of their life. You're nobody's priority. All your community and your friends and your family do care about you. You're not first on anyone's list. If you've had it before, you understand how lonely this realization is. The thing I observe and grieve most about my singleness is the absence of a container or a buffer in my life and the presence of it in the lives of my friends who are partnered. Instead of needing each other reciprocally, when my friends become partnered, they need me less than I need them. My challenges are my own to weather, my problems are my own to solve, and I don't come home to someone who gives a about any of it. So basically what she's describing is how single women are pretty or single men, anybody who's out here without a partner, you're doing life alone. And the most important people in your life, other than your family, obviously, if you're lucky enough to have a good relationship with them, the most important people that you call up at the end of the day, if I have a big win here on the show or if something bad go, or happens, I call up my friends and I'm able to do that because if they're also single, I'm also kind of at an equal importance in their life. But the problem is when your friends get into a relationship, their priorities start to shift and you start start becoming um, a a less important part of their life naturally. Because that's how it goes. Like if somebody is in a committed relationship, it's only a natural, normal progression of of life for them to make them a bigger priority. But then it's it kind of sucks for you because your life didn't change. Theirs did. And now all of a sudden you've got to kind of reshift how you handle life's wins and losses because that person isn't in the same ranking, if you will, in the same hierarchy of like prioritization. Mm -hmm. And so hearing somebody else talk about it in that way and like very intelligent terms, I was like, oh my gosh, that just really (laughs) resonated with me because I do feel like such an a-hole when I'm excited for my friends to kind of reprioritize me. 
Because when they want to go on a vacation, they're going to call up their boyfriend. When something happens in their life, they call up their boyfriend. But now they get to call up me and I get to be, <laughs> I get to be a bigger part of their life and feel more important, which sounds so shallow, but it, I miss it when they get into relationships. Where are you at with this? Uh, probably it's funny. I was thinking to myself, I might be the complete opposite. Cause I mean, there have been times in my life when I was somewhat happy that a friend uh, was going through a breakup because I knew that that relationship was toxic for him. So I'm like, good, maybe something better will come. But I'm more so like the friend who I don't like when you break up because now I have to be a friend again. <laughs> <laughs> you like keeping your space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you're going to start calling me every day. You want to go out every weekend. You want to travel together. Like, you know, stay in that relationship, bro. <laughs> I need some me time. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Um, yeah, so when I, I, I remember the one relationship I was in and when we broke up, everybody was super relieved. And I don't think it's because like they got their single friend back. I think it was because he was a, he was a D bag. And I'm like, where was this energy when we were together? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have listened to him anyway. Don't you hate that when they tell you after the relationship, I knew he was bad for you. Yes. Well, it would have been real nice had you just said something, but you wouldn't have listened anyway, probably. I mean, mm-hmm. I do. I remember like being in my, um, early and mid twenties and we would just kind of like, you, th- there's some women who will, when they're in a relationship, it becomes all consuming. And then there are other women where, um, they, they are able to have a better balance. And I was the all consuming one. I, I will own it. Like I fell off the grid when I, when I got a man. Um, <clears throat> and now obviously I've, I've learned how valuable your girlfriends are and that you need to maintain those relationships mm-hmm. just, just like you do your romantic mm-hmm. relationships. For me, it was always like I was relieved because my dudes would be constantly hitting me up saying like how bad the relationship was and I could feel how much pain they were in. So finally, when the relationship was over, I was relieved, not happy, but just kind of relieved. Like I knew that you weren't going to have this stress every single day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that's how I feel sometimes when they call me up and they're ragging on their boyfriend. I'm going to be their number one hater. (laughs) And even more thrilled than your number one cheerleader when they end their relationship. You're on The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's The Burt Show's entertainment buzz. Swifties took over Long Beach Island during producer Jack Antonoff's wedding. This -hmm. is not what real fans do. So if you don't know who Jack Antonoff is, he's the main producer that's worked with Taylor Swift on a lot of her biggest hits. Like think about like Pusha T, Kanye West, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, like any iconic music duo. That's who Jack, Jack Antonoff is to Taylor Swift. And so his wedding was this weekend. He's getting married to Andy McDowell's daughter or to Andy McDowell's daughter, uh, Margaret Qualley. And so Taylor shows up and I guess somebody must have tipped off the Swifties in the group chat that she was going to be there because literally when I tell you they swarmed the bar where this rehearsal dinner was taking place, oh, I'm sure. they had to shut down a made road. Security had to get involved. I mean, it was literally people were climbing on top of like the, the building where it was taking place, trying to get to it. It was terrifying. It's almost like you have to send in a security team three days in advance, like the president or something when she's around because you know that many people are going to go loco. She it's, had to have felt so bad. I, I mean, think about it. It's, your, it's one of your closest friends, big days. It's not about you. She's mm-hmm. not trying to make it about her. And then here is the rest of the universe trying to make it like some kind of Taylor Swift meet and greet. Like, I don't really know what these people expected to happen. Like, for her to step out and be like, oh my God, everyone, you guys showed up. Thank you. So, no, she's embarrassed mm-hmm. for her or for him. Um, so she ends up fleeing the rehearsal dinner on Friday night. Oh. And she actually 
actually ends up leaving with Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum. And Taylor, she knows that these are her fans. She's trying to be nice. She's smiling. She's waving. But Zoe Kravitz and um, Channing Tatum, <laughs> like the side eye that they gave the crowd was so funny. Like the paparazzi photos are just Taylor like waving like, you know, hi, everyone. And then Zoe just here like <laughs> looking at y'all like, get out life. Uh, mean mug in the cameras. Mean mug in the camera. It really is just um, cringy behavior. So Swifties need to take a chill pill. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of weddings, Tiffany Haddish just got her wedding dress, um, but she's not getting married. I was going to say I didn't know she was engaged. Uh, uh-huh. No, she actually recently told Entertainment Weekly that she purchased a wedding dress on AliExpress just for the fun of it. Uh-huh. She was talking about how she loves getting her outfits from this specific website because it's such a bargain. Tiffany Haddish could get a dress from anywhere. She's Tiffany Haddish. She's got big money now. She's and talked she's- many, many times about how she's really, really cheap, though. <laughs> she's so, and yeah, Ali, for sure. Uh, AliExpress is about as cheap as you can get. And she said, you know what? I bought this wedding dress because I can wear it on a yacht or something. <laughs> to that, I say, good for you, Tiffany Haddish. Live your life. Live your best life. This, I'm very curious about this, though. Are there women that are listening right now, one eight five five Bircho that <laughs> bought your wedding dress before you even had a man? You know, uh, like you just saw the dress and you're like, I guess someday I'm going to get married. And if I do, this is going to be the dress. And you just bought it while you were still single. It makes a lot of sense. If you see the dress and you're like, that's the one and you try it on, you might as well save it for later. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense because you don't know what time of year you're going to get married. You don't know what the setting's going to be like. And that also determines like the dress determines the setting and the season and blah, blah, blah. So if you I buy know- the dress first, though, then can't everything else just come in line after that? I mean, yeah, if you want to force your husband or your yeah fiance, your soon to be husband. All right. I bought this dress years before we even met. So we have to. To get married in the spring. We have to get married at this location because that's what the dress will allow. You don't got to tell him all that. You don't got to tell him it's because of the dress. I mean, you're just going to tell him where you're going to get married, when it's going to happen, and he's going to say, okay. That's true. He doesn't need to know it's the motivation behind the whole thing was the <laughs> wedding dress. What about He'll like, never even ask. Doesn't the style change? Like, you may want that like that dress now and mm-hmm. think you're going to meet a man in a year or two, but... Uh, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, like, that A-line. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not trendy anymore, no? Yeah. When it comes to weddings, though, sometimes you really do have to plan, like, years in advance. One of my really close friends who got married a while back, when she started dating her now husband, she called me up and she's like, you know, I really want to get married at this venue. It's in Charleston. It's called the William Aiken House. And sometimes you have to put a deposit on like three years in advance. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know we're not even engaged, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, no, never tell her to do that. Keep the head a secret. <laughs> I know women calling up saying they got the dress before they even knew they were getting married or weren't even in a relationship. They're out there. Okay. You can DM me. Oh, no, for sure. We need to do that phoner later and be like, what did you have planned for your wedding before you had a man? Well, I mean, there's all sorts of, you go to anybody's like pinch there's like wedding boards, right? Before yes. you even have your man. So oh, all yes. that's that, that stuff. But I'm saying like, I'm go- we need to go one step further than like the wedding pamphlet or the <laughs> wedding binder or the wedding Pinterest board and be like, like, like putting deposits down on like places for your reception before he's even popped the question. I guarantee you she's not the only one to have done that. That's the kind of money I wish I could have where I'm like, I'm so confident in my ability to find a life partner that, you know what? In 2031 on October 6th, that's when I know I'm getting married. Manifest it, man. <laughs> Speaking into the universe. Uh, all right. People are saying Bradley Cooper's latest role could be a little anti-Semitic. We'll get into it on your next E-Buzz on the Burt Show. You're on The Burt Show. I want to thank the um, listener that DM'd me because I'm a gym etiquette guy. I want to be honest with you. Teens in the gym, you guys suck. 
<laughs> Man, sitting on those benches the entire time, just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And for a guy that's been working out his whole life, just gym etiquette has changed so much that there are little things that absolutely drive me crazy. Now people are bringing in cameras. They're setting up their tripod as they're working out. It's way more for like Instagram than it is actually getting in shape or being healthy. And I got a DM from somebody yesterday that said they were in the gym and she knew this would drive me crazy. Some dude brought in his own length size mirror. No, he did not. Come on, in, into the gym because clearly he didn't like the angles or the reflections of the mirrors in the current gym he was working out at. So he brought in an over, like a life size, like a major uh, head to toe mirror Full into the body. gym. Full body. A I, full body mirror. But gyms are covered in mirrors. The whole thing is a mirror. The whole wall. Like, everything is a mirror. Yeah, if you're in a gym and there's no good angle in any of those mirrors, it's only because your body doesn't look good. It's you. <laughs> yeah, it's you. <laughs> it's not the mirror. It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and your full-length mirror is not going to help either. I, I am just trying to picture this dude walking in, carrying a full-length mirror with him as he enters the gym. Dude, I would some, be so embarrassed. Some of the equipment now, the recording equipment that I see, in gyms is ridiculous. Like the beautiful cameras people are bringing in and the tripods, they're it's not even close as far as like lining it up to your membership. It's thousands of dollars worth of equipment now. It's like they're shooting Oppenheimer. In- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so let's get the update here from over the weekend. She was about to get booted out of the wedding. Yeah, so Sarah is in a bridal party with literal billionaires because she set aside $1,500 for her friend's friend Michelle's wedding. And apparently that's not enough because she is like, I am going broke because of this wedding. I need to text the maid of honor and ask her, hey, how can I prioritize my budget so I can be involved in as much stuff as possible without actually having to leave the wedding? Because it's expensive. You know, the dress, $200, hair and makeup, $300. And this is all even before you walk down the aisle. It's a lot. So Sarah asked us for her for some help. And we end up texting Jody, the maid of honor. And she says, hey, how can I split up this $1,500? Need to figure this out. And Jody's kind of like, $1,500, that's all? Only $1,500 for this wedding? She even was like, why would you agree to be a bridesmaid if you couldn't pay? And we were all like, rude. Uh-huh. Very rude. <laughs> she was digging so in, rude. too. Mm-hmm. And so we end up going through this whole conversation where Jody ends up just saying to her, well, mm, I'll actually just text all the bridesmaids and say that we'll just have one less person split everything. And we took that as... Is she kicking our girl Sarah out of the wedding? So we decided to get clarification from the bride and screenshot that text conversation, send it to Michelle, the bride, and say, hey, I think Jody, the maid of honor, just kicked me out of the wedding. What do I do? Who's and got now- the update? I got it. I wanted to let you know that things didn't exactly end up going the direction we had thought after Michelle had written back to the text about Jody basically kicking me out of the wedding. It seems that Michelle had gotten together with not only Jody but the rest of the bridal party to discuss mm-hmm. what is repeatedly being referred to as, quote, my situation. Yeah, this pack mentality, man. I think we warned about this when we were doing it also, that the chemistry of the whole bridal party was going to be off now, right? Yeah, yep. they're smelling a little blood in the water. Mm-hmm. They are now spinning it as letting me off the hook with my bridesmaid duties. She also said she would reimburse me for the cost of the dress that I've already paid for. To say that I'm shocked would be an understatement. Not only am I shocked, I'm furious. At this point, I don't even want to go to the wedding. I don't blame you. I don't either. I would really, I, I really never would have expected my friend to be this way. 
Of course, they are all spinning it as if they were doing some kind of favor for me. To me, it seems anything but kind. It feels heartless, out of touch, and judgmental. I wasn't being cheap or unwilling to make a financial sacrifice. I felt like I had budgeted plenty, and I simply can't afford more. If I could, I would have spent that money willingly and with joy in order to celebrate someone that I thought was a friend. Anyway, if anyone needs a size 8 <sighs> burgundy bridesmaid dress, I know of one that is available. So the bride herself is in on this now also? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Then she, you guys aren't friends. I feel so bad. They're really all ganging up on Sarah just because she doesn't have the same financial situation, which $1,500 is very reasonable for, mm-hmm. to budget for a wedding. And so for what I'm getting from this whole situation is like, if these people have so much money, if they are so well off to where they can flippantly spend, mm-hmm. let's say $5,000 on a wedding, why can't you all chip in to help mm-hmm. out Sarah? Like maybe if she can't afford for the Airbnb and Ibiza or wherever they're going, like help her out with the house and let her handle everything that she can like the dress and the hair and the makeup it's just mean girl behavior if you guys had to Kristen if you had to put a percentage on the amount of friendships that are ruined in wedding planning and weddings what percentage that be oh one in 20 well and I, I think it too it depends on when you get married if you're younger I think you have a higher percentage of that happening as opposed to when you're older and more established in your friendships and who you select to be in your wedding um, but as far as a percentage, I'd say like 30%. 30%. That's one in three, high. you're going to lose a friend over weddings or wedding planning? If that's what one thirty percent is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do fractions. <laughs> one in three. Okay. Dang, that seems high to me. I, w- I don't know if I would go that high because honestly, it really is supposed to be a bonding experience. Yeah. And I feel like I've gotten closer with my friends and my family through doing wedding stuff. So I would lower it down to maybe 10%. All because, yeah, I mean, one in ten, one of every ten weddings, you are going to lose a friend in the planning or the wedding. I don't necessarily think it's like, oh, the wedding is going to make your friendship blow up, but it's like when you travel with a friend, it brings out the worst in people. You see them under stressful situations, and you really find out who's there for you and who's not Damn. when stuff hits the fan. I got a feeling if we asked Abby the same question in ten years, her percentage would be a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> She'll say thirty percent if that's one in three. Exactly. Yeah. Hey. The Bird Show. All right. Is it weird to ask your brother or uncle for sperm? <laughs> now, I want, uh, hear me out. Hear me out. No, okay. Let's end it here. Yes. Hear me out. This is a rhetorical question, right? Yes. Okay. It's a rhetorical. It, of course it's well, weird. Well, yeah, maybe. So hear me out. I was having brunch with my niece and her girlfriend and my son Jimmy was there and they were, you know, complimenting Jimmy. And then we were talking about like behaviors that Jimmy has gotten from me and behaviors Jimmy has gotten from my husband. Because you can see bits of yourself and your child. We've talked about this recently on the show. What do you see in that's you and what do you see that's Bart? Yes. like what, you're No, tra- like what do you see? I'm asking. Oh, well, like what we've talked about before on the show, like my energy level, <laughs> like, you know, Crackhead Jimmy is Kathy and Kristen. Like, it's, they're like, they're one of the same. And um, my husband is 
very like methodical and Jimmy is very methodical. And so like he will line up his trucks. He's very like he's he's particular in that aspect. And that's very much my husband. You actually posted something so cute on your Instagram story of like that stance Uh that Jimmy does. And you said it was like Mm -hmm. your dad. And I just think thought that was so sweet to see a little bit of your of your father. No, that's not my dad. That's my husband. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. So that's and that's what we were talking about because that's her side of the family. So Jimmy has a stance with the hands on the hip and you take your wrist and you bend them backward. My husband stands like that. My father-in-law stands like that. My um, my brother-in-laws stand like that. Like that is a Mattingly trait through and through. And even my nieces on that side stand like that. Really? Yes, it's fascinating. So that's so crazy. That is exactly what we were talking about at brunch. And so my niece is like, yeah, she's with her girlfriend. And she was like, we were having this conversation of like, I wonder what traits our kids, like if we have a kid, what trait our kid will have of mine and what kid, Mm -hmm. you know, what our kid will have of yours. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. And then she goes, wait, because her girlfriend pointed out that's not possible. Because if you're in a lesbian couple, the child isn't going to have traits of both of you. It's only going to have traits of one of you because you can only use one of your eggs. You get what I'm saying? Unless a lot of the behavior is learned. Like the, like Jimmy might be standing like that because he has learned it from Bart. Maybe, but we're talking like DNA wise, uh-huh. okay? Like some some DNA traits because there are like there's that that there's some truth into that your DNA. Obviously, you've created this child, so your mm-hmm. DNA, not just how you're raising this child, you're going to see yourself in that child because of the DNA. Some are learned, but some is DNA. So we were all just kind of like, and I was, I was like my niece. I was like, oh yeah, that's going to be so cute. And then she's like, no, no, no. I did the same thing as you. And then she had to point out to me, that's not going to be the case. It's only going to be one of us that is going to have that DNA impact on the child because it can only be one egg. So then I, we didn't have this conversation at brunch because you don't really do sperm chat at brunch. That's <laughs> Got egg weights coming, I mean, to and yes. from everybody here. The last thing you want to be talking about is I it. didn't want to eat my soft scrambled eggs while talking about sperm. Okay. So later on, I was thinking and I was like, this is kind of a bummer because you want both of your families, like she wanted both of her families to be represented with the child. So it got me thinking, what if she used her girlfriend's egg, but she got her brother or one of her uncles to donate the sperm. So you have that familial trait in your child, but it's somebody from your family tree, which Presents the question, Interesting. would it be weird to ask your uncle or brother to donate the sperm so you could have a child with your partner that also has some of your <laughs> family DNA in it? We're all sort of chewing on this. I can see everybody kind of looking up, like wondering, how can this work? So it would be, so for instance, if it, like she, if she used uh, her uncle's sperm, um, it would be his great niece and daughter. Yeah, isn't and that weird? Like, if you use your your brother's not sperm. with the, not with your egg, with your partner's egg. Right, right. But that's still your half sibling. Then no, your half nephew, your nephew. That would be your nephew because it's your brother's child technically, even though it's your child. Yes, genetically, it would be your brother's child. That's so right. it would be your either son or daughter slash niece nephew. Correct. So you would be the mother to your own niece or yes. nephew. Yes. Whoa. Yes. You'd be mama aunt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I could do that. One. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be cousin. 
If you're using uh, your uncle. If you're using if you're, your brother's yeah. sperm, yes. But if you use your uncle's sperm, then you'd be mama cousin. Mama cousin. <laughs> Damn. But, like, like I said, if you are a same-sex couple <laughs> yeah. and you want to have family traits from both sides... Mama cousin makes sense. Maybe maybe it's, it's, it's weird or not, depending upon the region of the world you ask the question in. See, we're all from Kentucky, so, so I felt like yeah. this was a completely suitable question to ponder. This does have reality TV show, Kentucky reality TV show plan. All I mean, over it. Written all over it. Mama cousin. That's <laughs> the Burt Show. If you listen to The Burt Show, you know we call romantic alone time piano playing. And if you want to get a little bit better at playing your music sheet between the sheets, the best way to get started is to go to adamandeve.com right now. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item, plus free shipping and rush processing. And that's not all. When you select your one item, you'll also get a free kit that includes an item for him, a special toy for her, and something we know you'll both enjoy. The kit includes six free movies for your viewing pleasure and Adam and Eve wants to make your life easy. They've got discreet shipping as your privacy is a priority, plus 100% free shipping with rush processing on your entire order. Bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your piano playing room. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item, something adventurous or something you've always desired. Just enter code Abby, A-B-B-Y at checkout. That's Abby, A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code Abby to get your discount at adamandeve.com. Hey, The Burt Show. A lot of you guys have sent me this video the last couple of days. You sent it to me, but it's really a reminder, I think, for Kristen more than anything else. What? For 10 years, you are your child's favorite person in the world, as a father or as a mother. And after that, they have new favorite people in the world. They have best friends, they have girlfriends, boyfriends, they get married. You're never, ever going to be their favorite person again. And so really what it is, is it's a call to arms to be there and appreciate and embrace those 10 years, to stop living the deferred happiness plan where you say like, well, I'm going to work really hard now so that I can be happy when I'm 40 or 50. Because when you're 40 or 50, they're not going to be three years old anymore. They're going to be 13 and have best friends and not want to hang out with you. They're actually not going to think you are cool anymore. And so my whole mom since he's been born has been that I want to be super, super present. There you go. Well, <laughs> joke's on him because my husband and I took so long to have kids. Guess what? Our kid is going to be three when my husband's 50, so suck it. <laughs> <laughs> joke's on you! <laughs> Kristen hates these videos because there's so much them. pressure on parents now, man. Now you got to be every second present, and if you're not, you're a bad parent. And get, they can have multiple <laughs> favorite people. Like, there are, I guarantee you, there are adult children who would say, say one of my favorite people is my mom or my dad or both. Kristen, if it makes you feel better, I like my parents now way more than I did when I was three. Thanks. Uh, mainly because I'm more sentient, but also because I can drink with my parents now, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so did she let her mom watch their newborn while her husband was out of town? Shouldn't be like a big old deal, right? I mean, you should trust mom. Yeah, so she uh, called us up and was trying to figure out how to navigate this situation that she really didn't have all the information for. She and her husband have a newborn, and her mother-in-law watches the child constantly and her mom would like to be an active participant in her grandbaby's life and she would like her mom to watch the child however when she tried to set this up her husband was always like deferring to his mom or like working around it he never flat out said i do not want your mom to watch our child but she could just pick up on energy mm -hmm. and his 
just his overall, mm-hmm. she just got an overall sense that he was hesitant mm-hmm. and did not want her mom to watch the kid without blatantly saying it. It's really hard to see this in your own family because it's one of the most painful things that I ever saw. When uh, my son Hayden was born, that my mom came down to try to quote unquote help out, right? And it's weird to say that she had three sons, but was so incredibly awkward and forceful and kind of physical and dismissive of my son. Like, it's hard to say that my mom had no maternal instincts whatsoever. In fact, the week was so stressful for her that she left like after two days. She's like, I can't take this anymore. Right. And it's really hard to watch as the son of that person. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine her not having the same opinion as he does because she doesn't want to see that in her own mom. Well, no, maybe she doesn't, but she's like, she fully trusts her mom. Um, And Again, he never flat out said, I don't trust your mother. I do not want her watching her child. She just picked up on these vibes. <laughs> so he was going out of town this weekend and her mom wanted to help out and wanted to watch the baby. And she wanted to go and be alone and do some errands. And she was more than willing to have her mom watch the kid. So we roundtabled it and discussed. And I think the, the consensus was while your husband is gone, since he has not flat out told you, I don't want your mother watching her kid. Send him a text being like, hey, I'm going to go to XYZ. My mom's going to watch the baby. Don't ask for permission. Mm-hmm. Just say that. And then if he has an issue, he has to address it then and there. And you can cross that bridge how you see fit. I don't know if that's the route she went, but that's that's the advice we offered. Abby has the updated email. It seemed easiest at the time to let my mom watch our son without asking my husband. She was so happy and excited when I asked. I never did tell her that my husband wasn't okay with the idea. I figured that would cause too much tension between the two of them. Since my husband has several work trips, work trips coming up, I figured I could just let her watch him for a few hours every time he goes on a trip. I assume that eventually he may find out or he'd have to specifically tell me that he doesn't want my mom babysitting. By then, I could tell him that he that she already does it quite regularly and that everything has been fine. By then, he'd have nothing to argue against. Unfortunately, I did not anticipate that leaving my mom in the dark about this could backfire. Because within the first hour of her watching him, she started texting me and my husband pictures of our son oh but see that's the sign of a good babysitter like when they send you text updates to let you know like how the little one's doing that's actually really sweet he's still alive i swear Uh uh-huh exactly (laughs) you're showing proof of life still breathing (laughs) my phone immediately started blowing up from him demanding to know where i was and why she was watching our son alone I had no choice but to have the conversation with him. He finally admitted that he just doesn't think that my mom is attentive enough or has the best judgment. This is something I completely disagree with. However, he was furious and said he no longer trusts me. He says that I know he felt this way, which isn't entirely true because he never flat out said it. This turned into a huge argument and still isn't resolved. So now I have to decide, do I keep letting my mom watch our son anyway? Well, he he does have a bit of a point. Because what she did was kind of shady. I mean, she was using semantics, really. She she was. Mm. And she, we, I wish she would have gone our route by texting him. But at the same time, we always talk about motherly intuition, right? Like, she trusts her mom to watch the baby. You need to trust your wife and the mother of your child to make decisions for your family. 
And for him to come in and flat out be like, unless you have specific like evidence of how she would be the worst babysitter known to man, then sorry, I I don't agree. And he never came out and said it. I'm not a mind reader. I'm not supposed to sit here and decipher your every feeling. If you don't want us to do something, it is your responsibility. If you have a problem, you have to tell me you have a problem. I'm not going to sit here and be freaking Sherlock Holmes and figure out what you have issues with and, and, and don't. You're right. I, I totally agree with you on that. He should have said something, but she was shady and she mm-hmm. destroyed trust. And that trust is going to be very hard to get back around your kid. She's the mother of the child. She deserves to be able to make decisions and she is knowledgeable. But at the same time, he's the father of the cho- child, equally important in the kid's life. He needs to be on board. And if you know you have an inkling that your partner's not going to like something you're doing with the kid and then you cut them out of the conversation and do it anyway. For me personally, that would be a huge betrayal of trust. And I would react exactly the same way as him. I think in this situation, they can both be wrong. And I think they're both Mm -hmm. wrong. They both handled it poorly. It feels manipulative to me. That's because she kind of knew what was up, even though he didn't say it. But you're right. No, when we talked to her, Mm -hmm. she said she knew, like she felt like something was off. And I just, if I wish she would have sent that text in the beginning saying, hey, mom's going to watch, mm-hmm. you know, Junior while I run to Target. Mm-hmm. And then he could have lost his S and then been like, listen, sorry, I disagree. Um, she's going to watch, she's going to watch her kid. Then they can, yeah. I mean, I always, I, you look, when you kick these things down the road, it's, there's still going to be tension. It's just down the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I would have learned this so long ago. Just get rid of the tension immediately, handle the conflict and move on. What did we say multiple times? And she, we were talking about communication, right? Mm-hmm. Like they needed to like be on the same page. And she's like, she said, I distinctly remember this at the end of the conversation. That's really good advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you needed to hear. That she end of did segment. not Take. Right, right. Listen, it's the Burt Show. All right, so your best friend is supposed to be your wing woman, but what if she is become like, like she's getting in the way of you and your new relationships? Where our producer Case Katie is right now. Yes, I have a friend that is blocking me, and um, <laughs> <laughs> I love my best friends. But oh, it's I, a different kind of C block, isn't it? Yeah, it's it a is. V block. Yeah. It's the huh? It's a C. It, no, it's, it's a, still C block. It's a sleep C block. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to be all crude about it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met me? <laughs> um, but I've told you all before how, for some reason, my friends have given me a gender role that I didn't ask for. When we go out, like, I'm expected to be the gentleman. Um, I'm supposed to open the door for them, and I'm supposed to walk on the outside of the sidewalk. Um, <laughs> That's why, weird. Yeah, why you got to get hit by the car if something happens? Mm, yeah, exactly. No. I'm a woman, too. Not so very ally of them. <laughs> so they are assuming that you are taking on the quote-unquote masculine part of any relationship that you're in? Yes. The stereotypical quote-unquote masculine part. Yes. Okay. And even it, But even with my friendships, like I'm supposed to give up my seat, like that's what they expect for them. And I'm like, y'all are my friends. No. We're all women dating, here. Y'all. Hell no. Exactly. Ugh. Right? Um, so we've addressed this before and I told them how that has made me feel. And I thought we were past it until I recently went out with one of my best friends. We went out to a uh, bar and while we're at this bar, it's like a whole bunch of people. It's crowded. And so we're trying to maneuver through the crowd. And she's like holding onto my arm, like 
so I can lead her through. I don't have a problem with that. Like, that's fine. All right, let's, girl, come on. Let's make our way through. Yeah, I've done that with my girlfriends, too. You have to have somebody as a leader, and so you don't lose somebody. You hold on to each other to, like, maneuver your way through the crowd. As a guy that's five foot four, I'm always drafting off other people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm never the fullback. I'm always the guy in back. (laughs) But once we got to an area where it's just, like, open, and we're just standing around, playing games and stuff like that, she's still, like, linked up with me, arm in arm, like, holding on to my arm. And then she makes a joke. She's like, people are probably going to think that we're dating. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? You're actually right. And so then she lets go of my arm. She's like, I'm sorry. And then we continue to have enjoy our night. Time goes on and she does it again. Like she just naturally grabs onto my arm. And this time I'm like, girl, get off me. I'm mm. trying to find women in here. Trying to put out the vibe. Yes. Yeah, I was trying to put out that vibe. And that night, that's what I was trying to put out, the vibes. And I'm scoping. I'm like, who am I going to approach tonight? And she got her arm. I'm like, girl, go find you a man. <laughs> <laughs> right? So at this point, I'm like, we should split off, okay? You find you someone. I find me, my person. And, you know. <laughs> and so we end up leaving that bar. And then we go to a gay bar. And she's always my wing woman. And she always supports me when I go to this gay bar. Oh, does she right? get hit on more than you do at the gay bars? It's about equal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she, it a little infuriating? No, no. Okay. No, no. I, I think it's funny because I'm like, is she gonna is she gonna switch one of these days? <laughs> she gonna react? Are they gonna reel her in one day? <laughs> she just gonna do a little dabble dabble. Yeah. <laughs> so I get excited when that happens. Um and typically it's we're fine. You know, she knows that she's there as my wing woman. But then we go to the gay bar and she's holding on to me. And I'm like, girl, mm. this is actually a lesbian bar. Okay. Yeah. They're definitely yeah. going to think that we're together. Yeah. And so it started to get frustrated. And I'm like, girl, what, what, why are the dots not connecting tonight? Like, did you say that to her? I did. And uh-huh. she's like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just so sorry. Like, was she, she like, that's all she was kept she saying. more tipsy than usual or? No. Because that seems like kind of common sense. You I mean, if you're, if you're being a wing woman or you're going out with friends, you would think. I mean, this is not a problem guys have. No. Hey, Mo and I are walking through a club. And he's holding my hand, and I'm like, dude, let my hand go. Is it possible she has a crush on you? No, there's no way. We've been friends for over 10 years. There's no way. She, she would have known by now. Yeah. She mm-hmm. just started doing this recently, or she's always done this? It was just that night in particular. Oh, just that night. Just that night, where majority oh. of the night she was holding on to me. And I'm like, did she maybe take a gummy that was too strong for her? She was like freaking out a little bit. No? Huh. Was she wearing new balances? Was her balance off? <laughs> <laughs> no? I just And found she's it not odd. in a relationship with a guy. No. Okay. Huh. I don't know. I don't get it. I got nothing. You would think it would be common sense. Yeah, so the so, whole oh, night wait. I didn't get a woman. Is she newly single? No. Oh. Because huh. well, I was trying to think single. of like, maybe she doesn't want you to hook up with anybody because she doesn't want to lose her friend. I mean, if you said something to her and she's still doing it, there has got to be some kind of motivation behind it. I don't know your friend. I'm sure she's lovely. Um, but if you've told her that, then there's got to be some kind of motivation behind it. And that's what I was trying to figure out. But she and didn't give you a real answer. She no, didn't give you a clear answer. It was just, I'm sorry. I just naturally am grabbing onto you. That's weird. I can't think of any scenario where I would constantly need to be hanging on to my friend, except for maybe, and I was talking to a group of friends about this over the weekend. They were talking about how they don't like going out with this particular friend because she gets hit on a lot. So if you're at this lesbian bar, being the beautiful lesbian that you are, getting hit on by a lot of people, and she's in a location where she might not feel a little insecure, might feel like she's not in her Mm. element where she's going to get hit on, maybe she thinks, well, if I hang on to Katie... No one's going to approach us because we'll look like a couple. Maybe? Like, if she's not going to hook up, you're not going to hook up. That's basically what it was. It was like, Mm -hmm. if I'm not getting any, you're Mm -hmm. not getting any. She's like, we're in this together. (laughs) You got to stop inviting her on your single nights. Yeah. Or wear a shirt that say, I'm not with her. Yeah. Make it clear. (laughs) She's straight. (laughs) I'm not. 
Listen, it's the Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. People are comparing the makeup for Bradley Cooper's latest role to blackface. So Bradley is playing a Jewish character in an upcoming film called Maestro. And it's about composer Leonard Bernstein, which if you're like, who's Leonard Bernstein? He's a composer who is probably best known for his work on West Side Story. So photos of Bradley in this movie have come out. And the thing that's catching people's eye is this prosthetic nose that he has on his face. It's a lot longer. It's a lot broader. And um, because Leonard Bernstein has a very distinctive looking nose, it does make him look a lot more like the character. But a lot of people are labeling this Jew face, basically saying Bradley, who's not Jewish, was made to look more Jewish with this kind of makeup. And critics are specifically upset about this because there's obviously a very long and ugly history of anti-Semitics characterizing Jewish people by portraying them with very large noses. But there's also the other side of like Leonard Bernstein's family. They're coming out and have actually signed off on this saying, you know, it happens to be true that that he had a nice large nose. Bradley chose to use makeup to amplify his resemblance and they say they're perfectly fine with that. And they also say that they think their father um, would have been fine with it as well. So I have Jewish blood running, coursing through my veins. I have called myself Jew-ish because I don't have a lot of formal background or history in it. So while I am Jewish, I've told you guys before, I've always identified um, because of the way I grew up more as a Christian than, than Jewish. So I'm very nervous to give an opinion on this that might be offensive to my Jewish brethren <laughs> um, because I don't feel strongly about it. But when I read the articles and I saw what he looked like, it didn't feel anti-Semitic to me. It wasn't done in a joking kind of way to make fun. Like a characterization? Like a or- characterization. I mean, I'll be honest with you. In my world, in my group of friends, my Jewish group of friends, including myself, we got distinctive schnozzes, okay? <laughs> I'm not hiding from that fact. That's what I look like. Look, you can say the same thing about the French. You can say the same thing about Italians also. It's um, it's just a distinctive feature, and it's the truth. It didn't bother me, but again, I'm not as attached to it as Rebecca might be. Yeah, I'm also, I guess, Jewish because I was not raised Jewish, but I have a lot of Jewish family and friends, and I'm very like entrenched in the culture, and obviously, I kind of want to convert one day, but that's a different Oh, so you're story. not Jewish. I am. I am part Jewish, but my friends have been also telling me that I'm Jew-fishing on the bird show a little bit, so I got to like, <laughs> I got to come clean and be like, I've never, I've never had a bat mitzvah, but I, I consider myself pretty Jewish. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think this is kind of unfortunate, but the truth is like with my Jewish friends and family, they're not really getting up in arms about it either. I think the weird thing is that Bradley Cooper's nose is very similar to <laughs> Leonard Bernstein's nose without the prosthetic. It's not that different. Yeah. So I think it just looks kind of odd. I had conflicting feelings about it this weekend because I did go to see Oppenheimer and I have no idea what he looks like. Right. So Putting any kind of prosthetic or making um, Killian Murphy look like Oppenheimer, to me, it had he was so good in it that his look almost didn't even matter. So I did kind of feel like, okay, I can see the point here. Like if Bradley Cooper is just being Bradley Cooper and he doesn't add that, does it change the part at all if he doesn't look closer to Leonard Bernstein in real life, and it wouldn't have. They didn't need it, but I don't. I also don't feel like it's anti-Semitic. Well, that's why they have Oscar categories for makeup and for costuming because you want to embody a character. And also, some people have a hard time like differentiating the actor, and especially if you're playing a real person, so you're only going to see it as Bradley Cooper, who you know, and you're. 
in order to fully embody that person, you do the prosthetics and you do the makeup so people aren't thinking Bradley Cooper mm-hmm they're thinking the person he is playing. Now, I know this is a really far-reaching analogy, but as I was, I knew we would be talking about this, I thought this. Okay, so let's say that Bradley Cooper or somebody American got cast in an Asian cast, right? And they CGI'd something about the Caucasian actor or actress's eyes to look more Asian. That feels offensive to me. Yeah. So why would it be any different? Mm. Mm-mm. I mean, it's a sensitive subject. Jewish people's noses. So if they were going to do it, they should have done it right. And they didn't do it right. It looks bad. It just looks clunky. It oh, you think it's good. just a bad prosthetic? It's a terrible prosthetic. <laughs> okay. It doesn't look like his nose. I so- wish I had that nose. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying the makeup department not winning any Oscars for what they did? Yeah, yeah they failed a little bit. I think it feels different because... When I think we look at people who are Jewish, I think a lot of them are white passing or white. And so it looks, we we often look at it as like, oh, they're just putting a prosthetic on a white person. And it doesn't really register with us that it would be similar to like putting a Caucasian actor in an Asian role, Mm -hmm. making them look Asian. It can be, I'm not Jewish at all. Let me like be straight up front. Neither is Rebecca. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just finding out. My Jewish friends and family are like, yes! <laughs> she said it! But from that point of view, I can absolutely see how it could be offensive to some people. For more stories, head to thebirdshow.com, click eBuzz. Get it? The Bird Show. What do you need most right here, right now, in the current moment? All right, think about it for just one second, because three or four things are going to come to mind. All right, first, you're going to go, you know what? Money. I just need money right here, right now. Some of you are going to go, I need time. I just need time. You could probably line up 10 things in your head that you really need right now. But there is going to be one that will stand out more than the others. And you don't even know what it is, but your body's about to tell you. There's a really cool, simple test you can do, not while you're driving. So listen to this later on on the podcast. Um, so Keep what, your hands on the wheel. Yes. When I explain how you do it, you'll, you'll get it. So if you're not driving, close your eyes. And hold your hand out at arm's length, palm up. I wonder if our answers are going to be the same today as they were like a week ago when you did this to us in that Dallas bar. <laughs> While we were because all we drinking might be, tacos. We might need something completely different this week than we did last week. It's very true. And so you're going to hold your arm out stretched in front of you, palm up like you're about to receive something. Curl your fingers slightly, just slightly, and then with your eyes closed... Just imagine an object being placed into your palm. Uh, Really feel the weight of it. Like, really feel like you're holding it. The weight. What does it feel like? Is it smooth? Is it bumpy? Is it squishy? Is it hard? What is that object? And when you've got the object and you've seen what it looks like and what the shape is, the size of it is, and you really feel it, that is the one thing you need. Now, some of it might be weird. Like, for me, it's an apple. Like, I see a... It was today as well? Yeah, a shiny red apple being put into my hand. And that's because, for me, the interpretation is I'm focusing on my health. And I also just ate a bunch of potatoes, so my body is screaming for fruit. (laughs) It's like, please feed me something healthy. But really, I've been focusing on my health a lot lately. And that is a big concern of mine. And that's what Hmm. I've been narrowing in on. So, for me, like, having an apple or something healthy placed in my hand is a manifestation of... That's the route, and that's what I need right now is to focus on my health. So what was yours last week, Kristen, and what was it this morning when you did it? Okay, and I, I, I figured because we already knew this, 
it wouldn't work this morning, but I did get a different object so this morning, I. surprisingly. Yep. So when we were at the bar in Dallas for our radio conference, I had a uh, gardenia flower in my hand. And everybody thought that was very odd. And I could actually like smell it too. So we have two huge gardenia bushes right outside our front door. And so you can smell them as you go into the house. And it felt like I just needed home. I needed to be home and with my family. And that's what I needed in that moment. Now this morning, what landed in my hand was one of those um, pink erasers. You know, like those old school, like rectangular erasers. That's what was in my hand. And I sat there and I was like, like I could feel it, whatever. And You're like trying it, to erase your performance on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> trying to erase you from my life. <laughs> so when I got down to it, I the the context I used the eraser in was that um, I need to clear up my schedule and erase oh, wow. some things from my schedule because I've been kind of overwhelmed and um, a little overbooked. Huh. Mm. Okay. So that's how I I that's how I took that item. No. So I I genuinely do not remember what was in my hand in Dallas. Do y'all remember what I said? Uh, what did you have? Meat? No, that no, was that was me. That was you. <laughs> I sand. Don't rem- you had sand. Was it oh, sand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was sand. Okay, yeah, that, that that feels right. Yeah. I also don't remember what that meant. You <laughs> what, sa- you, I don't know why I had sand in my hand. You wanted to go to the beach? I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. And then this time. I, I think because you had mentioned money, that money was already on my mind. So when, when you told me to just envision someone handing me something, it was cash. It was just cold, hard cash. So I think maybe I want money to go to the beach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put these two things Can together. definitely put the two together. Okay, Abby, what was yours a week and a half ago? Um, what was it today? I was a couple of margaritas deep when we were when we were having this conversation, mm-hmm. but I was thinking a little on the nose because we were we were laughing, having a good time, and then Cassie was like, "Hold your hand out and then curl your fingers in." Yeah. And I was looking at, it, I was like, "What is? If I was going to make a dirty joke at this moment, <laughs> what would it be?" So you can connect the connect the dots as to what I said there. But for this time, she, she, and it she means she wants a man. This time, because I've had so I have so much stuff coming up in terms of like trips with friends, and I'm planning the bachelorette that I'm literally just thinking, wow, it would be lovely if I could just get a fat check handed to me to handle all this like stress of like buying the wedding gifts and then I'm going on a friend's birthday trip. So that for me is what I was um, thinking about, which is a lot cleaner. Okay. A week and a half ago when we did this, (laughs) I saw a round scoop of ground beef in my hands, like one that you would take from from an ice cream scoop. It was Uh perfectly round. And this morning it was a one-way airline ticket, which says a lot actually. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on in my life? Life. You don't even care where you go. Uh, it was just a one-way ticket. Most going to the beach if you want to go with them. <laughs> Bring the ground beef. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.